It's good to see each and everyone here tonight. Let's all stand. I don't think we're going to need a songbook. I believe we're all right. Got our words up here. Love lifted me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, from the waters lifted me, now say, am I? Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could have love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Let's turn around and shake hands and fellowship one with another. Welcome our visitors.
nothing else could help love lifted me. Praise God. How many of you are glad you've been lifted? Amen. I'm glad you're here tonight. Good to have all of you with us and good Wednesday night crowd. I think Awana's having their meeting tonight, so we've got a number of folks over in the Awana meeting, leaders, a different one, so let's pray for their meeting. They're getting ready for Awana to get started. That gets started back next Wednesday night, so we're excited about all that. Let's pray now and ask the Lord to bless here tonight. Gary Moore, you lead us in prayer, please. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. Hey, man, let's continue to sing. He loves me. He loves me. the right one. I think there's another one up there. I hope that hadn't been erased. Have you got that one? Another he loves me. There we go. She got the course first. All right, here we go. Let's let our ushers come forward to receive her offering, and everything you give tonight goes to support the Bible conference and pay for the lodging and all the things that we do for our guests. This coming Sunday, one week from this coming Sunday, it's Bible conference time. I'm ready for it, aren't you? I've been praying for it and geared up for it and, and uh, ready to go. But Sunday uh, week is uh, the beginning of the Bible conference, not only the Bible conference, but that's homecoming as well. So let's begin spreading the word out, letting everyone know 
Many of you know of friends that uh, used to be here, moved away and different things. Give them a call and let them know we're having homecoming and the beginning of the Bible conference. And we'll tell you more about all the details of the that Sunday, this coming Sunday, how to do things and all that kind of stuff. But I hope you have been praying about the Bible conference. And next Wednesday night, we'll be sharing with you, uh, passing out the names of many of our guests as we do every year so that you can be praying for them. Because uh, it's not only a time of blessing for us, but we want to be used to the Lord and be a blessing to the many that come in. And we have a good number coming in this year, a lot of new ones coming in this year, some pastors and their families that have never been with us before. So we're excited about this. But next Wednesday night, we'll share those names with you, and so you can be praying for them. But let's pray that the Lord will touch. God has been doing some wonderful things for us. Amen? i got to remind you, don't ever forget that the hand of God upon us, in order for that hand to stay upon us, we've got to be a praying people, and we've got to be a people that really believe God and trust God. You can't ever ease up, let up, or back up. And if you think it's good now, you just keep going in the direction you're going, and it's, we're going to get in this thing so deep we're going to be blowing bubbles. Say amen, but uh, it is great. So let's just keep on praying. Keep on praying every day. Ask God to bless all the things that are going on, the building program, uh, everything, the new building and all these kind of things. We're excited about it, looking at it. Our goal is to, uh, by this time next year, to be ready to start. And uh, we're just excited about it. And the way things are going, we're, gonna, we're well on target of being at that place. And so it's just amazing all the things that the Lord is doing. But we've got to keep praying, got to keep praying. I would encourage many of you, if you haven't signed up for the prayer room, get in the prayer room. Not a greater thing you could do. Not a greater thing you could be involved in is than in the prayer ministry in the upper room. But just pray and ask the Lord to touch. You pray tonight about your giving and give. You have this week, next week, final two weeks we have to give. As I said, it goes to pay for lodging and meals for many of our guests. It's our way of being a servant to the servant of the Lord. And God will bless you for doing so. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now for all you're doing. Lord, it's hard to contain ourselves. And we think about all you do. Lord, we just live from, the next, from one service to the next. And can't wait to get back to the house of the Lord and just see what you're going to do. But Father, we ask you to continue to work in our midst and to touch us and make us as hungry as ever for the blessings of the Lord. Thank you for our conference. Bless the conference, Lord. Brother Tom, Brother Maxwell, everyone that will be here and participating in it. Bless the many preachers and their families that are coming in and guests. I pray, Lord, that you will just use the conference to be a blessing and a comfort and a strength to them. Bless the giving tonight. You know our need and what it will be this year, and I know that you'll meet that need. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, the only way I get Marcia to sing with us is I promise not to pick on her. Well, so I'll have to be good tonight. This is an old song. That's the only time we know. It says, His grace is sufficient for me. Let's take our Bible to James chapter 1, James chapter 1. We continue our study of the book of James tonight. James 1, and we're going to look at one verse of Scripture. Let's stand as we honor the public reading of His Word. James 1 verse 12. Listen. Yes, sir. Huh? Bless you, R.J. 
Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. No, he doesn't. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> yes. Right. Amen. Praise the Lord. And we all say amen to that. Amen? amen. Praise the Lord. What a blessing. Appreciate that, RJ. Verse 12, James chapter 1. Look at this one verse of Scripture. And when I thought about it this week and meditate on this verse, the title of an old song came to my mind. And the old song will trade the old cross for a crown. I want you to notice what James said. James 1 verse 12. We'll look at this one verse tonight. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let me read it to you again. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he's tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Thank you. you may be seated. And let's pray, and then tonight I'm just going to point out a few things that it's like James is saying to us about trials. I point them out in a way that it spoke to my heart this week as I thought about the text. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, we thank you for the grace of God. We thank you for the grace of God that bringeth salvation. We thank you, Lord, for the grace of God that sustains us and helps us. As we look in your word tonight and continue thinking about the subject of trials, Lord, it's so wonderful and such an encouragement to our heart to know that you give us grace. You are the God of all grace. And Lord, you give us grace to face our trials. You give us grace to handle whatever we go through in life. You give us grace to get through it. We thank you, Lord, tonight for your grace. Now, Lord, bless your word to our hearts tonight. Let us learn something from your word, but not just learn it. Lord, may we put it into our hearts and use it. For it is in the name of Jesus we pray and ask these things. Amen. If you have been with us in our studies over the past few weeks as we've been in the book of James, <clears throat> you know that when James began his letter, he addressed it not to a sheltered people, but to a scattered people. Verse 1, he talks about a scattered people. He identifies in verse 1, in that one word there, scattered, the recipients of his letter as those who had undergone and were going through adversity and trials in their life. The primary readers of the book of James were Jewish. And as one writer defined, they were a people of compulsory transplantings. In other words, their being scattered throughout the world was not by choice. Their being scattered throughout the then-known world was not just a matter of moving to a better living condition. It was not just a matter of finding a better job. They had no choice about it. You read in the book of Acts of the great persecution that broke out 
against the Christian church with Saul of Tarsus as its main instigator. When that persecution broke out, then Christians from Jerusalem were scattered everywhere. They fled the city for their life. Acts chapter 8 and verse 3 kind of gives you an idea of what it was like. The Bible said, as for Saul, Acts 8, 3, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. The word havoc that he used there is a word that is descriptive of a wild animal mangling its prey. Paul vented his hatred for the church upon the Christians, and without mercy he attacked the church of Jesus Christ, like a lion devouring its praise, Christians found themselves the victims of his attacks. And the result was the church which was at Jerusalem was scattered throughout the whole world. So you find when he talks about these that are scattered, he's talking about those that have been dispersed because of persecution and trials. Well, in view of the circumstances of the people to whom he's writing, It's not surprising that the first 12 verses of the book of James has to do with the matter of trials. James is talking about a believer going through trials. Verse 12 concludes the section, then beginning in verse 13, as we see next Wednesday night, he picks up a new thought, which has to do with temptation as we would often think about it. But when you look in verse 12, it's like James sums up everything he said in the first 11 verses. It's like he takes everything that he said in verse 2, 3, 4, and so on, and he draws it all to conclusion, and this is what he wants to remind us about trials. Look at the verse, and I want to point out three things tonight. To me, it seems that James is saying to us in verse 12. The first thing is this. It's like James is saying, don't let trials defeat you. It's like James said in verse 12, don't let your trials defeat you defeat you. Look at verse 12 again. Notice the very first few words. He said, Blessed is the man that endureth temptations. As we've seen in past studies, when James speaks of temptation, he is not referring to temptation as we normally think of when we hear the word temptation or think of temptation. It's not a solicitation to do evil. You notice in verse 2, after speaking of divers' temptations in verse 1, he refers to the trying of your faith. James talks about temptations in verse 2, but he clarifies in verse verse 3, verse 1, what he's talking about, and that is it's the trying of your faith. It's not a matter that we're the world pulling at us, soliciting us to do wrong and pulling at us to do evil, but it is the trying of your faith. Same thing is found in verse 12. He talks about temptations, and then right after using the word temptation, he refers to the one that is tried. You see the word tried there? He, when he is tried. Again, he's clarifying that when he talks about temptation, he is talking about trials. He is talking about believers going through trials in their life. Now, notice what he has to say about these trials. He says two things that I just want to point out to you. One of them is, you see the expectancy of trials. The expectancy of trials. As we have repeatedly stated in our previous studies in the book of James, James makes it very clear that trials, that a believer can expect trials to come. He makes it very clear that trials are not an optional part of our life. He makes it very clear that trials are a part of our life, that there's something that is, they are going to come. 
You notice in verse 2, he begins the section by saying, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. And I have repeatedly said this, that the issue, James says, is not what to do if trials come, but what to do when trials come. He said in verse 2, it's a matter of when, not if. But in verse 12, you see basically the same thought. Notice he said in verse 12, when he is tried. Not if he is tried, but when he is tried. At the very beginning, James said, I want you to know trials are going to come. And James at the very beginning tells us to expect trials in our life. As we saw in our study last Wednesday night, it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter what your standing in life is. Trials are going to come. So he begins the section by reminding us that trials will come. And he concludes the section by reminding us that trials will come. It's the expectancy of trials. But there's something else he said. And that's the point I want you to get. There is the endurance of trials. For you notice what he said in verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried. Underscore the word endureth there. James now talks about the matter of enduring trials. He tells us that trials cannot be escaped. Therefore, we should learn to endure our trials. You see the word endureth there? It is a word that speaks of standing firm. It is a word that is actually made up of two words. It's made up of a preposition that means under and a verb that means to abide and to stay. Put them together, it speaks of someone standing up under that which they are going through. Now James is talking about trials coming. He said they're going to come. It's not a matter of if trials come. It's a matter of when trials come. But here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to stand up under your trials. Or to put it another way, James says, don't let your trials defeat you. Don't let your trials break you. Trials are designed by God to build you, not break you. And so when trials come, when the winds of adversity come, you are to stand up under those trials. I'm from the state of North Carolina, as you know, and I'm off, I've been asked many, many times, what is a Tar Heel? Well, the first definition is, is, is a Christian. But the second definition that you're after is this. We often ask, what is a Tar Heel? Well, there are several explanations for a Tar Heel, but it's commonly believed that it comes from uh, an event, a story that happened during the days of Civil War. It seems there was a large group of Confederate soldiers that retreated in a particular battle when things got real fierce, leaving the North Carolina soldiers to fight alone. And later, the North Carolina soldiers threatened to put tar, a product that was very uh, plentiful down in the lower section of North Carolina in those days. They threatened to put tar on their heels so that the next time they were in battle, they would stick in battle. They wouldn't run in battle. May I say, or could I put it this way, James is telling us that we ought to be a tar heel. Amen? We ought to be a tar heel. And he's telling us that you ought to stick. That when the trials come and when the battles come, he said, you're going to find yourself in the battles. And he said, you can't avoid battles and they're going to be Fierce battles are going to come, and there is going to be the tendency to want to escape your trials. But the, the issue, he said, is not escaping your trials, but enduring your trials. Standing up 
under the trials that you're going through. Amen? Now, I understand tonight trials are not always easy. And trials are not always easy to face. But yet James tells us to endure our trials. And I do not believe James would tell us to endure our trials or to stand up under our trials if we could not stand up under our trials. The load gets heavy and the path gets long, but we're told to stand firm and to hold our ground. We are not to let our trials defeat us. Well, as I look in the Bible, I find that when I come to these trials and I face these trials, and I am to stand up under these trials, I find that God always gives me what I need to stand up. I love Isaiah 41 and verse 10. Where the Bible said, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. That sounds like enough to stand up, doesn't it? Sounds like the resource that you need to stand up under your trial. Or maybe you're going through a trial tonight. Maybe you're going through some storm in your life. Maybe you're going through something you've never gone through. Well, James says, blessed is the man that endureth temptations. Blessed is the man that stands up under what they're going through. It's like James is saying, don't let your trials defeat you. But look at something else. When I look at the verse here, it's all, it's, it's, to me, it's not only, I see, it seems that James is not only telling me not to let my trials defeat me, but it's also like he's saying, don't let trials discourage you. As you look at verse 12, you see that we not only should stand up under our trials, but you also find in verse 12 that we can do so with, an, with a heart that is encouraged and with a joy in our heart. You notice two things. One, he talks about the presence of rejoicing in our trials. Look at it, look at it again, verse 12. Notice how he starts. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Blessed is the man that stands up under their trials. You see that word blessed there? It is a word that simply means to be happy. It's the same word used by Jesus in Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. It comes from a word that literally means, oh, how happy. James says, oh, how happy is the man that endureth temptation. What he's hinting at is that even though you are going through trials, that there can be joy in your trials. And even though you're going through adversity, there can be a happiness in that trial. He's reminding us that trials do not have to discourage us, or to put it another way, rob us of our joy. Back in verse 2, you remember what he said? My brethren count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. James would not tell us to have joy in our trials if you could not have joy in our trials. And when he comes to verse 12, once again, it's like he's summing it all up. I want you to know you can be happy in spite of what you're going through. James is saying that what happens on the outside does not have to dictate what you feel on the inside. That your whole world around you may be in turmoil, but on the inside there can be a calm sea. Blessed! I've known those who were going through deep trials and dark valleys but yet they never lost their joy. 
You see, the presence of trials does not have to translate into the absence of happiness. James is telling me that I can maintain my joy and happiness regardless of what's going on in my life. There is the presence of rejoicing in trials. You say, well, I can't always shout in trials. Well, you ought to. I, you say, well, Brother Ken, I don't feel like shouting. Well, when did you ever shout? Because you feel like it. So, well, Sunday. Well, if you're just waiting to shout because you feel like it, then you've got the wrong motive about it. You shout on truth. You shout on fact. You shout on the fact James has told us all that God is doing. And he said, these things, they become your joy. The presence rejoicing in trials. But second of all, he said, your joy is motivated by the promise of reward for trials. For look at verse 12 closer. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. One of the reasons James tells us a believer can be happy in trials is that he's promised he shall receive the crown of life. You say, how can a person be happy when trials come? How can a person have joy when everything is going wrong? I'll tell you one reason you have joy. Because we're promised that one of these days we're going to trade our cross for a crown. Are you listening to me? One of the things that ought to bring joy in your heart when you're going through trials is to know that one of these days I am going to trade this old cross for a crown. So one of the things that ought to bring joy to your heart is knowing that I am going through trials now, but there's coming a day when I will not go through trials any longer. And furthermore, there is a reward for those who go through trials and stand up under the trials or whatever they're going through. He said that ought to bring joy in your heart. Blessed. Oh, how happy is the man that stands up under his trials, for he shall receive a crown of life. The crown that James referred to was known as the victor's crown. Stephanos, as it was called. It was a crown, a wreath, or a garland that was placed on someone's head in honor of victory, such as an athlete in the Isman or the Olympic Games of that day. And they would give them the crown as a reward for their victory. Well, James says, you endure, stand up under whatever you're going through. Let this be your joy. Let this be something that brings happiness in your life. That one day, yes, there is a cross now, but one day God's going to give you a crown for the cross that he gives you or allows in this life. In verses 2 through 3, James tells us we count it all joy when we go through trials because we know that our trials are working in our life and producing certain things in our life. But James sums it all up by saying that trials not only have an earthly result, But trials have an eternal reward. Trials is working to our good any way you look at them. All the things we go through in our life, they are twerking patience in our life. The trying of our faith. There's the work of God in our life. When trials come in our life, it produces things. And we can shout about that. And we rejoice about that. But to know that one day that the crown that I have or the cross that I have here will one day reap me a crown, that ought to produce joy in what you're going through. And so James says, don't let trials discourage you. Down here, there may be trials, there may be a cross, but up there, there'll be a crown. I love the story of the missionary Henry C. Morrison. He and his wife served in Africa for over 40 years. Years. 
And I remember reading the story of how they'd returned to the States after 40 years of service in Africa. The ship they were sailing, they sailed home on, aboard the ship was President Theodore Roosevelt. And he was returning from Africa from one of his hunting expeditions. And when the ship came into New York Harbor, there was many, there was a huge crowd there, of course, to greet the president, and they were there to greet him with great fanfare and all these things. He's coming back from his hunting trip and all this, and there was reporters and all that kind of stuff. Just a large crowd to meet the president. But no one, not a single soul there to meet Mr. and Mrs. Morrison. And you can imagine how dejected they were, especially uh, Mr. Morrison. And he was was just so down about it. That night he was talking to his wife about it. And he was was talking, thinking to himself, he was so discouraged, he thought, it ain't right. The president goes to Africa to hunt an elephant. And he comes back, and there's all kinds of people to greet him and to greet him with great fanfare. But I give 40 years of my life for the greatest thing that a man could give his life to. And I come home and there is nobody to greet me. He said to himself, Lord, it's not right. But then the Lord whispered to his heart and said, but you're not home yet. Amen. I'm saying to you tonight, there is a lot of burdens in life and there is a lot of trials in life, but you're not home yet. One of these days you're going to trade your old cross for a crown. Down here you may have your burdens. Down here you may have your problems. But rejoice. Your crosses are going to reap you crowns in eternity. Can I get an amen right there? And James said, even in the midst of your trials, you can be happy. Don't let your trials discourage you. But one final thing that I see in the text. It's not only like James says, don't let your trials defeat you. Endure trials. Don't let your trials discourage you. But thirdly, it's like he says, don't let your trials distract you. Now let me show you what I'm talking about. James talks about in verse 12, the man who endures trials. He talks about the man that remains happy in his, or the person that remains happy in his or her trial. But you also notice the latter part of verse 12, he talks about them that love him. Look at it again. Let me read the whole verse. Blessed is the man that endured temptation. Oh, how happy is the man that standeth up under his trials, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. He talks about those that love the Lord. He talks about, for one thing, their personal love for the Lord. Their personal love for the Lord. It is them that love the Lord. He's talking about a believer that possesses a deep love for the Lord. And the word love that he uses there is the word that speaks of a deep love for someone. Same word used to speak of God's love for us, for God so loved the world. He's talking about a very deep, very intimate love. He's talking about them, a personal love for the Lord. But not only does he define it as a personal love for the Lord, but you also see that it's a perpetual love for the Lord. But the words there, them that love him, literally mean to those loving him. He's talking about those who love the Lord. But yet, nothing in their trials has daunted their love for the Lord. Nothing in their trials has caused them to love the Lord less. Nothing in their trials has made them bitter. Nothing in their trials has distracted them. 
has turned them aside, detoured them, taken their eyes off of God. No, nothing that they have gone through, even though they have been scattered through the whole world, driven out, running for their lives, leaving everything behind, leaving their homes, losing their jobs, having to hide and run and flee for their life because of an angry man that is after them. Nothing they have gone through has diminished what they felt for the Lord. It's like James says, don't let anything distract you. Don't get your eyes off the Lord. Don't let anything detour you. Keep on loving God to them, to those loving Him. It's a perpetual love for the Lord. Listen to me tonight. Trials come, and if you're not careful, if you're not careful, you can get very, very bitter in your trials. I think about of all the presidents that served our country, of all of them, every one of them, with the exception of one, has used a Bible when they were sworn in. Their inauguration, they used a Bible, but one. And I don't forgot who he was. Say amen right there. My mind went blank. But uh, oh, he'll come to me in just a minute. But anyway, uh, this one president, one president refused to have a Bible. And the reason, shortly about, about 16 days, about, about two weeks before, he was to be sworn in. Already elected. Harrison, I believe it was. But anyway, uh, he was already elected. But his 16-year-old son, Benny, was killed in a train wreck. He blamed God for it. His wife was so bitter she wouldn't come to the inauguration. She lived in this, on the top floor of the White House and lived there. She's called the shadow of the White House. But he refused to use a Bible when he was sworn in because it was so bitter. Trials can make you bitter. Trials can make you angry at God. And sometimes the things that we experience from people, it's merely people that are angry with God, but they vent that in our direction. James says trials should not make you bitter. Trials should make you better. And don't let anything stop you from loving the Lord. Love Him no matter what is going on in your life. James says, look, trials are going to come. You can't avoid them. And it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter whether you live in poverty or you have plenty. It doesn't matter. Trials are going to come. But oh, how happy is the man that will stand up under his trials for one day he'll trade his cross for a crown and God will bless and reward him for doing so. Don't quit loving the Lord. Are you listening to me tonight? Tomorrow the bottom may fall out in your life, but do not let anything distract you. You keep your eyes on the Lord. Serve God. Follow God. Because why? We'll trade the old cross for a crown. Are you glad for that? Say amen. Let's take our prayer sheets. In fact, somebody let me borrow one, please. Thank you, Aaron. Our missionary of the week is the Brockell family serving in Dominican Republic with Baptist International Missions. We want to pray for the Brockell family tonight. Church of the Week is one of our neighboring churches. I live at Elizabeth Terrace Baptist Church. Brother George Pinion is the pastor. And believe it or not, we don't have anybody in the hospital this week. And we've not had any deaths in our church family this week, and I thank the Lord for it. And we have so many at home that are sick on different things want to be praying for them. I want you to come. Let's all gather around the altar tonight that will. And let's pray. Thank God. Yes. Sure, let's remember this special.
harden. Let's remember them. Maybe somebody else got a prayer request. Anybody else? Let's all come. Steve, Steve took a little tumble on a lawnmower today, and he's bruised up a little bit. I told Matt, tell him, you don't drink while you drive, and you don't drink while you mow the lawnmower either, amen. But Steve took a tumble, and he's bruised up. Vivian called us early to ask us to pray for Steve. So let's remember him tonight and thank the Lord he didn't get hurt worse than what he did. Someone else? Yes, Susan. Really? Let's remember her. Let's remember I know her heart's heavy. Let's come. Let's, yes, amen. Any others? Any others? We're happy to pray for your needs. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? All right, just remember this. Let's remember Mary. Amen. Let's all come together around the altar and take these requests to the Lord as well as remember the Bronkel family, our church of the week. Let's pray down for Sunday. Don't lose your hunger for God's blessings. Come to church on Sunday longing for God to do something. Looking forward to a great day this coming Sunday. Lord willing, we'll have several guests in Sunday uh, from the construction and uh, the new part that has been done will be recognizing them. Let's pray that God will just bless and give us a glorious day. Let's all pray together now. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the promises of your word. And you promised in the word of God, the promise of the Lord is that those who will endure and those who will stand up under their trials will earn eternal rewards for it. So, Father, we ask you to give us the strength that we need and the grace that we need to stand under our trials, not to give up, not to let our trials defeat us, not to let them discourage us, to rob us of our joy and our happiness or distract us, Lord, to get our eyes off of you, but, Lord, just to keep our eyes on you and to love you and follow you. Father, we ask you, Lord, just to give us what we need. Thank you for your word. Now, Father, we pray tonight for the Bronkel family that you bless them. I pray you bless their work in Dominican Republic. I pray there for the opening of the hearts of the gospel and the softening of hearts of the truth of God and for the work of God in that country, especially tonight for the Brockell family, that you would bless them. And then, Lord, for one of our sister churches, Elizabeth Terrace and Brother Pinion, bless the ministry there, Lord, and do wonderful things for them. May the hand of God be upon them. May they experience wonderful showers of blessings. We pray, Lord, for them. I would thrill our heart to hear of you doing just extraordinary things there. And we pray, Lord, that you'd bless them. Then, Lord, we pray for Sunday. We thank you, Lord, for what you've been doing. This coming Sunday, Lord, may we have a fresh anointing. And then Sunday week as our conference begins, homecoming, may there be a special anointing of the Lord upon the services and on the meeting. But God, continue to move and bless. Lord, bless our plans now in our building. Continue, Lord, to bless our offerings. Thank you for how you're blessing there. Thank you, Lord, for what is coming in and what has come in in such a, such a short period of time. Continue to bless that, Lord. All of our plans, everything going on, just bless it, Lord. Because, Lord, we know that if you don't do it, it's not going to be done. So we just look to you now.
Continue to work here. Continue to move. Bless faith tomorrow night as our teams go out. Thank you, Lord, now for the past several weeks. Thank you for the souls that have been saved, for the people that have got right with God. Lord, I pray for your touch to be on us tomorrow night and to use us for Jesus' sake. Meet every need. Thank you again now for all you're doing. Bless these prayer requests in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. You're dismissed. Shake hands and fellowship as you leave. Let our visitors know how glad we are to have them in our midweek service.